hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. Today's episode is, if I'm remembering correctly, episode three. I'm your host, Ron Hummison. As always, I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the Greek god himself, lead pastor Nick Pierce. Now, if I would have said that, you'd have been like, and cut, we're done. This we're is why God gave me the the technical uh, abilities to cut and delete things. Mm. So I sound less stupid than I usually do. <laughs> so oh. um, today is a first off. Thanks for uh, for sitting down and doing this. Now that we're kind of back, we've had some. I would say unique episodes already. Last yep. week we had Pastor Gabe and Pastor Mikey. Oh, everybody from was Crossroads. so excited about that. <laughs> Almost like we're we're done with the breakdown. Yeah. We're gonna let them do it. So we we're actually gonna zoom them in for this one and just ask them questions. Let's go. No, we're not. Everybody's we're not like, oh. everybody's like, oh, and we're turning it off. Yeah, and, we're, <laughs> and done. we're done. Um, and then the week before that, we did kind of the catch up from January January 1 of 2024. Yeah. And yeah. so we kicked off uh, Genesis this past Sunday. It's what you preach through. New study. New study. We're in Genesis until 2025 at least. Oh, yeah. Um, at the rate you're going. So I think you, we'll get to like chapter 30. We'll get in the 30s by the end of the year. Okay. And there's 50. Okay. Because Sunday you did Genesis 1, 1 through 12a. Right? Yes. Yeah. So... You did then, one through eleven. It, but your notes were twelve A. Yeah. So I rewrote the sermon. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I rewrote. So those I did. kept both notes. Uh, of course you did. So I'm I'm not going to preach the same passage. I'll I'll move on next week or whatever. So we're not going to stay in the same passage. But yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Because so, London, uh, London was like, uh, if he does this every week, she thought you were doing like a hey today we're doing chapter we'll do one. Again. I was like, we'll eventually get there. Eventually. But I'm like, hey, it it's gonna be. And they're like, so the struggle for me was, or is, there's so much that I could talk about that's, you know, because Genesis 1 is creation that we get, to, like, we could really geek out there. Yep. But it wouldn't be, like, we wouldn't be preaching the text. We would just like, hey, what's... Preaching on creation. We'd be on preaching Genesis. on creation, not on Genesis. Yeah. Yeah, because at one point in your message, you said... Uh, in the in the beginning, God, you're like I could I could spend six weeks on those four words, absolutely. And I was like, please don't. <laughs> and I, I, I don't I do think, it. Don't do it. I Nick. think the the feeling there was, was four people that wanted me to. They said, let's each, go. Each of them can take a week. <laughs> each of them can take a week, and we have two extra weeks. Yeah. Um. So I thought since uh we're we're diving into Genesis, this is the yeah. first week into it. Um, we would kind of do a little bit of what we did with Revelation, not okay. setting ground rules, um, but I don't know. Because there's a few areas that we'll need to set some ground rules Yes, about. for sure. Yep. Um, but I thought it would be a great way to approach, uh, since it is uh, the first week, uh, to approach the idea of what is your heart for the church coming out of Genesis Ooh. or for Genesis. For Genesis, yep. like coming out of Revelation for Genesis or just Genesis? Just Genesis. I, if you want either either yeah. or. But they're, just they're the, tied, actually. There was a, there was a reason yep. I wanted to go. Because before we went to Revelation, there was I was praying through, do I just go straight to Genesis? Because mm -hmm. I knew I was. And then there was a few things that's like, no, let's go to Revelation. And it's like, ooh, there's a good tie there. Yep. So they're a little bit connected, not just because they're the beginning and the end of of the Bible, but you just bookended yeah. everything. So my heart through Genesis, so kind of the full story of it is we studied Revelation and we end Revelation seeing the tree of life in the new heaven, new earth. Mm -hmm. 
you know, if you remember that passage, there was, um, it, it comes into fruit, a different fruit every month that's mm-hmm. going to be on the tree of life. And we're going to eat from that. We're going to swim, drink, whatever from the river of life, like amazing, like ideas, pictures of what new heaven and new earth would be like. And so we see the tree of life. Well, there's only one other place that we see the tree of life, like in its mention at the very beginning of Genesis and, and the whole fall and all that happens. And then we just like never hear from it again until revelation. So it's, it's almost like you're watching a movie. There was this like, not a minor detail, but there's like this certain detail that the movie made an emphasis about at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And you never hear from it again until like the very end. And it's like, oh, you remember from the beginning yeah. of the movie? There was that. And that's the tree of life. And um, I read a really good book, Between Two Trees. And the author, who is fairly local, like Joplin. Oh, yeah. because we mm-hmm. Yes, we yep. were talking about that. He, he teaches uh, a Bible college down there. And, and it was kind of cool. I didn't even know he was a local author-ish or whatever. Anyway, Between Two Trees great book. And he's talking about the tree of life in the garden and the tree of life mm-hmm. in the new heaven, new earth. And we live in tension between those, yep. but there's still one more tree, the tree in which Christ was hung upon. Mm. Yeah. Right. And so the cross, and so we live in light, we live in the tension between the two trees. And so I, so for us, we kind of did the reverse. So like we're a movie I always go back to movie for an analogy because it just works in yep. storylines and stuff where they might show the ending of the movie first mm-hmm. and then they'll be like, oh, now let's go back to the very beginning and see how we got there. Like here's so, the backstory to catch yeah. us up. Yeah. So we studied Revelation, ended with the tree of life, and it's like, oh, now let's go back to the very beginning and see how we got there. Mm-hmm. And and the greatest significance that we see of the tree of life in Revelation is because of where we see the tree of life in Genesis. Mm-hmm which we'll get to. Um, And so that's how Revelation and Genesis are connected. Now my heart as like just Genesis, like walking through that, where do we want to be? A couple things that, and you even prayed for service and you kind of mentioned a little bit like, hey, we're going to lay down our preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to do that with every book. Yeah. You know, definitely Revelation, definitely Genesis. because it would be easy to think, oh, we're just going to talk about creation. Yeah, there's Noah. What are the Nephilim? Mm-hmm. You know, if you mention Genesis, hey, if you had any question about Genesis, what is it? Who are the Nephilim? You know, and it's like it's the, the go-to. It's the mark of the beast of Genesis. That's what everybody <laughs> wants to know about. And it's just like, you know, like, yeah, they are mentioned in there. And we'll get to that when we get to Genesis 6. But you never see them again, and you're only given a few small verses. Mm-hmm. Like, understand how much can you really know exactly understand like if we were supposed to know more there would have been more about it so obviously it's not that significant into what god wants us to fully know and so my heart for genesis really was going really just kind of playing into the name genesis which you know do the translations get back to hebrew it's just the first significant word in in the book and it just means beginnings mm-hmm. and just thinking about all the new things or the beginnings that god brings into our life mm-hmm. and so for us as believers it's always good to look back in light of our salvation when we began that new life with christ yeah and in the moment we start losing sight of that like that's a dangerous ground and so thinking of new life and then to have that passion to want to see other people Mm -hmm. have new life in Christ. And so, um, with a 
the year of beginnings is what we're kind of calling the theme as we walk through the book of beginnings, Genesis. And, and I think of like a key verse, which is not even in Genesis, but Philippians, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. And so God is always ready. You know, the Lord Jesus is always ready to begin a new fresh work in us. Like if we, if we get serious in our faith, in whatever season of our faith it is, and and we want to take that next step, we will never find a Jesus that says, you know, I've done a lot of work in your life. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you not happy? Like, how mm-hmm. about you just coast for a bit? Yeah. Can you just plateau? Like, let me, in this season of my life, let me come back to you in a couple of years, and then we'll talk. Put you on simmer back here. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, we're never going to find that. And so we doesn't matter if we've been walking with the Lord for four days or if we've been walking with the Lord for four decades, Mm -hmm. he wants to begin a new work in us. He wants to begin a fresh work. He wants to do a new thing. And so not just new life in the sense of salvation, but what's the the new life that he wants to bring even to us as followers of Jesus. So, so like there's four components of the year of beginnings, you know, new life is one of those and then new relationships, new fellowship, You know, it was a mark of the early church that they had a a major focus on fellowship. And so um, all four of these contexts, we will kind of drip all through Genesis, but new relationships. Here's the thing. Uh, Calvary is growing. God is doing a work. And so we we can't just rest on old ways. Mm -hmm. You know, think of the parable that Jesus was using to teach the disciples about the new thing that he was doing in this new covenant and all that. Like we can't just rest on our old wine and our old wine skins. Mm-hmm. Like it, they're, they're, it, God's doing a new thing. And so a part of that is going to be new relationships and that's good, you know? And so lean into that. What, what's that new fellowship, you know, and then new discipleship. Um, where it's a challenge to maybe some mature believers that's like, you know, what's my next step? It could be uh, I need to lead a life group. I need to really start serving on a team. I need to be a lead on a team. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to, you know, start having an accountability in my own life. Like yeah. there's something new in our discipleship so that, because what we never want to do is just rest in our, oh, I'm saved and so I'm good. Mm. You know, I got my get out of jail free card because I gave my life to the Lord back in the day yeah. and I'm just, I'm just going to coast into heaven. It's like, Oh, like that, that's, that's the most anti Jesus thing that you could ever say mm-hmm. is I just want to mm-hmm. coast into heaven. And so new discipleship, where, where does God, where does the Lord want to work in my life and grow? There might be some new discipleship in that. And so, yeah, new life, new relationships, new discipleship, and lastly, new legacy. Mm. And I'm really excited for how we're going to communicate that. Well, um, this year in 24, I'm not going to share what that is, but there's going to be a really awesome Sunday morning where we get to talk about the legacy of when we as believers step out in faith with the Lord and and walk in obedience and how that impacts other people's lives that sometimes, and not sometimes, most of the time we'll never see. Mm-hmm. But, in, but we will have an opportunity to see what was life for someone before someone else took that step of faith? What was the impact that that had on them? And then how is their life 
completely in a different trajectory because of somebody else's step of mm-hmm. faith. Where a lot of times we think of new legacy, we think of the legacy we are leaving. Mm-hmm. And that's good, but don't don't hamstring it just to that. Yeah. But because of our faith walking with Jesus, how are we pouring into others that we, um, because of, again, new life, new relationships, new discipleship, we're, we're changing other people's legacy. Yep. And the way that we've kind of talked about that, uh, that, that I've appreciated <clears throat> is when we remove ourselves from the equation. So like yes. we've talked as pastors where it's not the legacy that I'm leaving. It's when I'm, when I'm dead and gone or when I'm, when I am no longer at Calvary, which hopefully is a long, long time from now, yeah, amen. but when I'm no longer at Calvary, mm. what did I do? What did I allow the Lord to do in me? that is bringing others yeah. to salvation that is bringing it like it removes me. Cause so often uh, we like to make it uh, we're me centered people. Oh, so, you know, Christianity I, has a capital mm, I. Let me tell you, let's just call it like capital what it M-E. Yeah. And it's like, so yeah, I love what you're saying. It's like, what is, what is God doing that has nothing to do? has nothing where it's like, I'm on the receiving end yeah. of what God is doing. Like this is going to cost me something now and yeah. I'm never going to get to see the fruit of it. Yeah. But the somebody else glory. is. Yeah. Which I love because like our new mission statement. I was going to go there. Sorry. I oh, you stole the thunder. Go so ahead. like, and, and the heart behind it, kingdom before Calvary, yeah. Jesus over everything. Like yep. that is kingdom minded. Yeah. It's not Calvary minded. Like what can we do to make sure that Calvary is the biggest, the best, the longest lasting church? It's like, no, no. What are we doing to make sure that the kingdom of God is growing? And that may be, and we've talked about that. It may be that here locally that someone attends our church for a season because they have church hurt and and they don't serve that they, they don't they don't lead they just heal yeah. but then they go back to that church that hurt them or they go to a different church yeah. and we don't see any of the fruit of that mm-hmm. but another church does that's what we want because that's kingdom mindedness because yeah. if we because if we put a line in the sand that, Lord, I want to see the fruit that's coming out of my life, you're not walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Well, that was the breakdown for uh, today. That, <laughs> go you home know, and chew on that. But, but how many times do we want to, though? Oh, yeah. Like, Lord, you're doing a work in my life. All right, now I want to I wanna sow and I want to reap. I want to water. I want to do it all. And I want to harvest. Yep. And it's like, you're not walking in obedience then. And it never sounds that way. It yeah. sounds like... Lord, I'm doing all of this and let you're not yeah. responding or yeah. you're not doing anything. Like, am I doing this in vain? And like, who, who of us is greater than Paul? Who's like, I'm building on a foundation that I didn't mm-hmm. even lay. Mm-hmm. I, other people have done so much work and I'm just, I'm just doing my part in, in the story of the whole, Yeah. where again, Christianity can get so me centered. Like we talk about it in worship, uh, which is true. Um, and even, so many people having different opinions about worship just uh, reiterates the idea that, yeah. Oh, it, so it's, it's me it's focused. Me, yep. And yeah, exactly. And especially with preferences and what like pastor Gabe talked about at the conference, allowing preferences become biases. Like we can do that even in our own walk Yeah, where our preferences is how we want things to go, how we want God to work in our life. Now we start getting biased in it. And the, and the scariest biases bias towards the Lord Mm -hmm. because he didn't do what I wanted. Now we can't say that out loud because you know, we're good little Christians that go to church on Sunday, but the way we live our life that, yep. And what we say in our hearts matters in that, you know, 
And that's the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus raises that level. And so, you know, to really try to break the common theme of of when we say legacy, what does biblical legacy really mean? Mm. You know, you want to talk about some serious biblical legacy, study the life of Abraham, hence Genesis, Mm -hmm. that he had these amazing promises. He had a covenant with God an unconditional covenant that God made with him and he saw very little fruit and he saw very little fullness of what that was. But again, it's not about us. And have you ever heard this quote that uh, every person actually dies twice, your physical death. And then the last time anyone ever mentions your name. Mm Hmm. You never heard that. Mm-mm. So like, so like our, we're all destined to die once, right? Like they're going to put Nick in the ground. Who knows what my wife's going to do with my body, you know, ashes, dash, dust to dust, whatever it is. And then I will die a second time. Meaning the last person on this earth to ever mention the name, Nick Pierce, mm-hmm. former senior pastor of what, yep. like that'll be the second time I die. Here's the crazy part. Um, if we're truly following Jesus, our deaths should be much closer than what they really are. Mm. Because if we're leaving a legacy where our name continues on, we don't, I, this was back to Matthew. I think when I preached, we don't need to make a name for ourselves. We need to lift the name of Jesus. Mm. So if I die physically and I die the second time, meaning that nobody really mentions my name again, but the name of Jesus continues on that well done, good and faithful servant. But the moment that, oh, my name needs to carry on, mm-hmm. whatever we're doing in our life for it, it to bring out a, a to carrying on of my legacy, you're probably not walking mm-hmm. in kingdom work and mm-hmm. you're probably not walking in the fruit of the spirit. I always think about um, the word legacy always makes me think of. Um, so at our high school football stadium, yeah. um, there is on the outside of the gate when you walk in. Um, there are those nameplate badge things. And I don't even remember now what they're for. I don't know if it was, yep. they didn't experience or whatever. And so, you, I mean, you can do that in any ways. Like people give money to build a building, their names on the building or their names in the brick on the sidewalk or in a chair, like this chair is sponsored by. And I think of um, the legacy that's tied to someone's namesake, you know, in the sense of like, oh, this happened because of these 50 people. And yeah, if, without yeah. these 50 people, it wouldn't have happened. And it's like, for me, the the, the reminder uh, that I have, you know, my pride wants my name to be, you know, in lights and glamour and whatever else, like, because I helped do something. Yeah. Where it should be, I'm just the stepping stone that gets someone one step closer to the Lord. Yep. And it's not about me or my name. It's about making a yep. name for the kingdom and yep. lifting the kingdom far above, above my name. Yeah. The only banner we raise is the name of yeah. Jesus. And it makes me, you talked a lot a bit about this on Sunday, um, about Genesis being a foundation mm-hmm. about how everything that we see in life, um, is fleshed out of Genesis. Yeah. Every theological thing that we see is fleshed out in Genesis. You know, so our stance on sexuality, our stance on marriage, our stance on gen like all of these things, yeah. we come back to Genesis. And it got me thinking, um, not only Sunday, but just even coming into today, how and we talked a little bit about this during Revelation, how the idea 
when we said we were going to do revelation, there was this <laughs> ah kind of like yeah. fear, trepidation. It's about time who that like just <laughs> across the board, but you say we're going into yeah. Genesis and people are like, okay, like yeah. it's not that big a deal. And I remember you telling me, I think Genesis is going to hit harder mm. than revelation will because of the attitude we bring our preconceived notions because there's a lot of Sunday school stories. There's oh, a lot of yeah. very well-known passages that we know. Surface at, level. Yeah, surface at a surface view. level, very big picture, hierarchical level. But when you begin to to flesh them out and, and what it means and what it means from a theological bend yep. that we see later on in other passages in Scripture or what it means um, for our faith or, or whatever it means in whatever context— how that foundation had to be put down and maybe didn't make sense yeah. uh, in your, your language from Sunday was chaotic. <laughs> yep. You know, it didn't make like, why is the walkway not just straight and flat? Like this yeah. doesn't make sense to me. But when you flesh it out later on in scripture, be like, I couldn't have, I couldn't have talked about this thing mm. here unless I established it here, yeah. you know? Um, and so when we think about that specifically in the context um, of legacy, like there has to be a foundation set to walk on. Like yeah. there has to be something laid down in order for us to move forward. Yeah. You know, and so for me walking into Genesis, cause like, let's call it what it is. I had that attitude, like praise the Lord. We're getting out of revelation. Which we've <laughs> talked plenty how I felt about revelation. About time just, we get some easy listening, you know, you know, cause there was a thought like, okay, yeah. we're gonna be in Genesis for a while. There's probably a couple Sundays that I'm going to teach or at least have the opportunity to preach. Genesis doesn't necessarily scare me unless yeah. we get to six since the Nephilim. I'm out. Like I'm sick. I'm there's there's no way. But like there was. Like you say revelation. I'm like, there ain't nope. no way I'm yep. touching that book. Um and so for me coming into Sunday, it was just like I I need to lay down whatever foundation I think I've built in case it hasn't been correct. Yeah. Or leave space for the Lord to do yep. something. You and know, I think the what I could see happening soon. So many people came up, or the ones that did, one of the reoccurring kind of things that was said to me was like, coming into Revelation, I was ready to see the TV. Oh, and the ready for you mm-hmm. for the geek out. Like, I was ready for that. And it's like, I kind of want to get through a couple passages first. Mm-hmm. Like, there's an intentional time I'm waiting to do that geek out, because here's going to be the hard part. Like, uh, one of the areas that's really going to hit, like, I am, I'm, I'm going to massively push on people's I always thought this I never mm. like there's going to be a conflict and I think there's going to be a few people that are just like I don't know how I feel about that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and it's like because again my heart I believe faith and science fit beautifully together when you flesh it out when you flesh it out instead like where maybe even in the uh, church culture I grew up in where it's like nope sciences of the devil we don't study that. Like I even know so far of like, I have heard of Christian families that like dinosaurs are a lie of the devil mm-hmm. and, and the fossils that we dig up, those are just man-made or the devil put them there to try to steer us away from the truth of God's word. And it's just like, you don't have a really great understanding of the word of God because mm-hmm. it's God's redemption story. And, and like I said, Sunday, it can't be the encyclopedia of everything that yeah. we want to address because that's not the purpose of the word of God. And so uh, there will be at a later point. So calm down, you geek out fans um, <laughs> that we're going to geek out and like, okay, because I said Sunday, hey, there's a lot of good evidence for our faith. 
doesn't replace our faith, but there's good evidence for our faith, which falls in line with the definition of faith from Hebrews 1, 11, 1. And so like, I really want to geek out and say like, all right, let's give you like, what are the top 10 evidences for our faith? And it's going to get like science classy mm-hmm. type of feel. And half the people are going to be like, I don't know if I could really have followed that. And others are going to be like, I, I'm used to the know anything of the science world is bad. And it, I think that's what has put our faith as a whole in some of those areas where it's like that we didn't want to try to process good <laughs> understanding of let it be cosmology or DNA or all like there's, but I mean, it, there's been great strides in those areas mm-hmm. now, but I just don't know how much of that is ever preached on a Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, because we're used to hearing, oh, you believe in the Bible, you believe in God, the spaghetti monster in the sky, and you're so weak-minded, you just need this figment best friend of your imagination so that you feel better about what you're gonna, what's gonna happen to you after you die. And it's like, it, and part of me, I like, let's go down their road. Yeah. Let's say there is nothing, you know, like that reality is gonna hit me afterwards. But let's go to the other side. I always love that argument. <laughs> Let's go to the other side. What if you I'm know? right and you're wrong? Yeah. And and if so, like I I appreciate the life that I live. Mm-hmm. And I hope a a humble servitude to the world around. And I don't care who you are, if you want to look at any other culture that um, affirms the rights of women, mm-hmm. of the oppressed and the poor. And, and some of these big social issues that people have with, like, show me a nation that does a better job of that or a people group that does a better job of that than the church. Mm-hmm. Like, if it wasn't for the church, like, come on. Like, even in Jesus's day where, you know, the hierarchy of even just value that a man, like, because in, in the Jewish culture, if, if you had a baby boy, that's a win. Mm-hmm. If you had a baby girl, like, that was mournful. Like, oh, the, the testimony of one. But what do you see from Jesus? Not saying that the church ever was perfect about it, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. the first thing people, oh, well, what about this and that and the crusades and all these? Just looking for holes. Oh, yeah. But like, but if you look at Jesus, who, who affirmed women and the value of women more? And that's just one topic. Mm-hmm. Who, have, who affirmed the value of the poor and the oppressed and the leper and the, those with any kind of, like, who, who did a greater work? than him to affirm them in, in the context of a social status. So, um, but yeah, so we're, there, there's a lot there, a lot of craziness. Um, but yeah, there's, there'll be a couple geek outs. Um, there's going to be some stories that you read in Sunday school that, uh, yeah, we can't bring that up with second graders, you know? So or you, you went to a church that did. <laughs> well, yeah, that was a weird, was awkward, a weird church, cultural church. So, but like, think of, do you remember uh, the story of Isaac and Rebecca? So Isaac does the, here's, here's a teaser for you. So like, what are you talking about, Nick? What could that be in Genesis? Like, I know Genesis. Like, here's, here's a teaser. Um, story of Isaac and Rebecca. Isaac pulls the same little stunt that his dad does and calls Rebecca his sister. Mm-hmm. And then how does that foreign king or ruler figure out, hold on, that's not your sister. Because, yeah, he, what? But what does the word of God say? He was sporting with his, mm-hmm. with Rebecca. He saw him sporting with him. Oh, 
And so here's the crazy part, right? So there's in the same book. <clears throat> Rewind a little bit. Who are the who are the two sons of Abraham? Isaac and Jacob. No, of Abraham. Ishmael. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you were doing lineage. That's I was doing good. lineage. My yeah. bad. So you have Ishmael and Isaac. What made Sarah mad that she forced Abraham to send Ishmael and Hagar away? Oh, now we're going. The same word is used of what, the, what that king saw from Isaac to Rebekah that Sarah saw from Ishmael. Mm. that he was sporting he was we always want to say oh ishmael is just making fun of isaac but the same word is used of what isaac was doing with his wife <coughs> are you catching what i'm throwing down oh i'm i'm digging into you know what i mean it's what, like yeah so you got a husband and wife carrying out certain activities yeah being physical with each other that's what made sarah so mad about ishmael towards her son isaac was what Ishmael was trying to do, send him away. But I don't remember don't them telling about, me that in Sunday school. We don't talk about that. It's like it's the same words, and but we always hear that. Oh, Ishmael's just making fun of him. You know, he was his little brother and just picking on him. And it's like it's a little more than that. A little bit more than that. A lot more than that. It's crazy though. Yeah. But those are you know, and I've had people ask me, "Hey, I hear you going to uh, Genesis." The two questions: um, How are you going to handle the genealogies, which is going to be super awesome. And two, uh, what about stories like Lot and his daughters? <laughs> what about Tamar? Mm -hmm. What about, you know, Joseph and Potiphar's wife? And it's like, we're going to let the word of God speak. Yeah. What about Onan? What about it happened and we're going to address it. We're going we're gonna to talk about it. Because, again, what the church broad brush especially in the 80s, 90s purity culture, didn't do well. Talk about biblical sex. Mm -hmm. Talk about biblical sexuality. And and everybody's going to be like, oh, so we get you know polygamy and you have multiple wives because Abraham had multiple wives and da, da, da. And it's like, let's talk about the standard. Because again, the standard was set Genesis 1 to 11. Just because it was perverted or distorted or diluted yeah. later does not invalidate the word of God. Mm -hmm. The standard was set. Well, why would God allow that, permit that? So, and well, that's going to be a great topic to walk through, you know, between Sunday morning or and the breakdown. So, so there's going to be a lot of that that's just going to be like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm trying to decide how deep of a rabbit hole do we go down with the Nephilim and looking at the different theories of, of what it is like, because there's kind of a movement that's, it's gaining some resurgency of like who the Nephilim really were and why did, why did Noah and his family find favor with God mm -hmm. and why were they saved, but nobody else was. And it's like that rabbit hole can go pretty deep. I like going deep. <laughs> so Is this borderline on conspiracy theories or are we full fledged into conspiracy theories? What's pastor Sean says something about conspiracy theories. It's like, it's one yeah what does he say it's it's a conspiracy theory it's just one something away from a conspiracy it's like it's like a conspiracy theory is only like one something away from being the truth yep like it's yep. just delayed revealed truth or something i forgot how he says it we'll have to quote him 
have to figure it out. What yeah, that is. there we go. So yeah, I'm excited for Genesis. I think it's going to go crazy deep. And like, you know, we've been we've been hovering. I think since I've been here, this is the first time we're going into an Old Testament book. Mm-hmm. Changes language. You mm-hmm. know, we're out of the Greek language of the original. Now we're back to Hebrew, which it's a little bit different. It changes, yep. and yeah. So super excited about it, but. It'll be interesting to see what the temperature is as we move probably out of what Genesis four, what the temperature does with yeah. the enjoyment of the series, you know, cause yeah. there are things like, uh, there are things that we are going to have to face, which is one of the things I appreciate about being a Calvary chapel is we can't, we can't dodge or broad brush the things we find in scripture that don't make sense to us or that are harder stories. Like we have to wade through them. And I love how, like, we're going to let the word of God speak. We're going to make sure um, that, you know, the things that we say don't go against the character of God. Like those two things are not going to contradict themselves. Um, But we have to face those realities instead of running and jumping to the, the Sunday school known stories and conversations where, it's always funny to me when you pick a book of the Bible or you talk about, you know, a character, there's always that, that one story, that one topic, the almost gotcha moment. It's like, well, how are you <laughs> going to deal with that? And it's yeah. like, and like you said, we, we've already gotten that. So how are you going to walk through it? Um, and for us to be forced to face the reality of what the word of God does say mm. and what it doesn't say and how man's perverted it to, to mean something else yeah. or to define it by something else. No, for sure. What, and I think um, this is like out of some of my notes through Bible college and seminary and all that, but like the central idea of Genesis. And and this is what we're going to see because there is so many of those hard conversations and these messed up mm-hmm. people, you know, and I love this line in spite of mankind's attempts to defy and complicate God's plan it is certain that God is in control and will accomplish his redemptive design. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so like you want to talk about like a dysfunctional family, like we're getting that from day one yeah, in a sense. And, and there's a hope in that because like, we're going to read some of these people and it's like, they were messed up mm-hmm. even for their culture and what was normal and allowed. And it's like, find hope in that, mm-hmm. that God's redemptive plan is it doesn't work in, you know, through around and enter. Like it is sewn into the lives of broken, messed up mm-hmm. people. And like, understand that that's all of us. Yes. Even yes, we're saved by grace through faith, but we are messed up, broken people. And we bring our baggage and our woundings and our scars. And it's like, God, like no matter how much we've tried to reject and rebel and dismiss his will like his ultimate will is going to be carried out on earth and we struggle with the sovereignty of god and the free will of man and it's like stop yeah you know like understand that you can hold both of those in tension but at the end of the at the end of the day like god's not going to be there and be like you know what i just really wanted really wanted this to happen and it just you know the humans didn't want to get on my page it's like no 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 like god's will be done yeah like jesus tells us that like hey you want to pray properly thy will be done. That's not a request. 
And we're asking God like, hey, you probably don't want to do your will in our life and on the landscape of human history, but you know, we're, we're going to allow you to do that. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. And, and here's the crazy part. There's, there's, a, there's a, a weirdness out of this to a degree, but we see God work more through people's rebellion and missing the mark than we do in people walking in faith. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what? You know, now that doesn't say, oh, yeah, just live however you want and God will walk. Like, accepted. Yeah, no, don't do that. Like, <laughs> we, we are called to trust and obey. There's no other way. We're happy in Jesus, right? Old hymn. But, like, we need faith. We need trust. We need obedience to what the Lord is doing. But even in our shortfalls, and even the long falls, not even the yeah. shortcoming, but the big things and the failures of our lives, like, understand we have a redemptive God. Mm-hmm. And, and when we see that beautiful picture at the beginning— and how quickly it gets ugly. The, the beautifulness is, is as God continues, you know, through the landscape of human history that we see in Scripture, that redemptive plan, because we've already studied Revelation, we see the end of it. Like, that's what's kind of crazy. You're like, we've seen the end of the story, we're getting to the beginning of the story, we see the pinnacle of the cross, like, like broad brush, we're seeing the fullness of Scripture because we started, at least you know, for my time here, we started in Matthew. So we went to the cross first Then we trickled our way to the end. Now we're going into the beginning. So if we even just held those three books, well, like you get kind of the full story of what God's doing, Yeah, you know, because Matthew presented Jesus to be this Messiah King, you know, of the savior, see the cross. So we, we see a full, everything else. We're just feeling, filling in details. Yeah. Great details, but filling in details. I want to go back for a second. Oh my, we, here we go. We've talked a little bit about it. It was something for me um, that stood out, but it's been so, um, I don't know the word, uh, <laughs> like to just to, to describe what it did when I, as I'm beginning to fully process and understand, but the weight that was lifted. Um, and so you said in your sermon um, fairly early on, um, oh. I'm not going to quote you because I didn't write the, but something to the effect of God is not a God of chaos. Even when we feel like things are chaotic, there's a pattern and a rhythm to God. And we see that immediately starting Genesis 1-1. Yeah. So yeah. if we can believe Genesis 1-1, <laughs> which I love that, like yeah. if you can't believe Genesis 1-1, then we're on a really bad foot. Like we have to get to you believing Genesis 1-1 and then work from that point on. Yeah. And so like if we can get to believing Genesis 1-1 and then we see the rhythms and the patterns, which is, not normal for us in our Western American mindset to look at rhythms and patterns True. We're linear. Yes. We're just like from point A to B to C, mm-hmm. not necessarily the ebbs and flows and the rhythms. Yeah. Um, and so for me, and just not ironic, just the way the Lord works. So my wife, who's our kids director, um, was teaching Sunday about um, how God heals. Mm. So she's telling the story about how she's teaching kids that God will always heal, but that doesn't always mean that he will heal us while we're alive. Yeah. That sometimes we're fully healed as believers when we meet him. And I was just like, okay, okay. Yeah. Because so many times for us, so when I think of healed, like let's just take, you talk yeah. Sunday, like yeah. you you were diagnosed with cancer 11 years ago. Yep. Um, and so that's probably the big, C word that terrifies people um, when they hear it. Yep. The ones that have it and the ones that don't have it, they're afraid that they're going to oh, hear yeah. it. You know, like that's a great 
you know. You will never forget the day that a doctor looks at you yep. and says you have cancer. You and know? I've heard that over and over yeah. again. Like You'll never, like you hear that word, it wrecks. Yep. Every time. I remember when my grandpa found out that he had cancer. I remember exactly where I was when my mom called me and told me. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, like, so I didn't have cancer, but like yeah. the way that it directly affected me. And it's so, a gut punch. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And so as I'm thinking through that, okay, so let's take that mm. through the lens of that is probably the most chaotic <laughs> moment of, of anyone's life, whether yeah. it's the person being diagnosed with cancer or anyone else on the receiving end yep. of how it affects them, whether friend, family member, whatever. Sure. Um, the, the immediacy of the, the chaos that ensues emotionally, chemo, no chemo, fight it, like all of these things and Nine times out of 10, the conversation that immediately we hear, especially as pastors, why would or how could God allow this in my life? The, the chaos. Um, and, and we see that, that very chaotic nature and we miss out on the ebb and flow of what, um, of what the word of God says about our life. Mm. I've prayed for healing for, you know, praise the Lord you are on this side of cancer. You are on a side of cancer that didn't take your life. Um, not everyone gets to say that, yeah. you know? And so we think very linearly, God cares, you know, if you've grown up at the most Sunday school foundational yeah. level, God loves you. God wants the best for you. God cares about the things you care about. Um, and all you have to do is pray to God. Very broad brush. Yep. But if you take those things and, and you don't flesh them out. Ooh, there it is. And you're left at a very elementary <clears throat> sort of approach to faith, then this chaos blows apart that very linear thought process of if God is a loving God, yeah. why would this happen? Yeah. Um, if God hears my prayers, why hasn't he answered them in the way that I want them answered? Um, if God wants the best for me, this there's no yep. way on God's green earth or any situation that this is, you know, like you just start fleshing these things out and they all end in a place where uh, faith and sense mm-hmm. don't meet. Like, yeah. okay, I, I, I have to negate something. And I wish we would flip the question every once in a while because I think we have to ask it. Like, let's flip it the other way and see. Um, it. So we say things like, if God loves me, why would he give me cancer? Let's flip it. What if God loves you so much that he had to give you cancer? Mm. Because the work and and what he has done in my life would have not came any other way than through, than through cancer. Mm-hmm. But because he loved me so much. Well, what about those that lose their battle to cancer? Think of the stories of victory that we see in their life, even though it ended mm-hmm. physically through it. But we want to talk about legacy and impact. Dang it. I was going to go there. Exactly. You know, go there. It, but it's like, no, no, no. I, you know, we, so there's the tension that we're going to sit in. Lord, I want you to do a work in my life that would leave, leave a legacy of kingdom impact. But I don't want to suffer and I don't want to hurt for it. I want it to be easy. I want it to be easy. If, if that is your prayer, what you're saying is, Lord, don't love me. Mm. Because he wants to do the most loving thing. And I love how you said that. Here's the four broad brush, shallow things that are true. But if you don't flesh them out well, you're going to get, yeah. I thought God loved me. And it's like, oh, he does. You just don't understand his love. You just don't understand his love, you know. And that's the, I think we've talked about it on the breakdown before, the Stockdale paradox. Yep. Jim Stockdale. Yep. So I found, I just want to read it well. 
So he, the, the quote of the whole Stockdale paradox, so uh, rear admiral in the Navy went to the Hanoi Hilton. Uh, he, was the, he was the highest level uh, uh, person to be a POW Vietnam War. This is what he said. Eight, eight years as a POW. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose. Mm-hmm. So there's you hold on to that with don't confuse it with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your reality, whatever they might be. That's the Stockdale paradox. So we can't confuse faith that I will prevail in the end. And I cannot I can't afford to lose that faith that I will prevail in the end, but I, but I can't confuse it with the discipline and those, I love how he used these words very intentionally with the discipline to confront the most brutal realities, facts of my, or of your current reality, whatever they may be. And it's like, so I, I know in the end I will prevail over cancer, but I can't lose the discipline that I have cancer. Mm-hmm. And it could absolutely kill me and leave my wife widowed and leave my children orphaned. How do you sit in the tension of that? And it's like, but how many of us we look at any kind of the situations in our life because we don't have good fleshed out theology and we stayed with Sunday school theology, which was great when we were kids. Like eating milk. Instead of meat. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. I, I don't want to go too far. So but. when I was in student <laughs> ministries, I always, every year I'd always do a series um, with students on a Sunday morning. So we taught Sunday school. We had the space for that. Um, it was baby's first Bible. And so. Did you teach through baby's first Bible? Yes. That's brilliant. And so I had the nice little Bible and we would do it with the voices and we'd make it so much fun and we would read through <laughs> that. And But the the underlying fact was always like, you are operating in a world as an adult. These were teenagers. You're operating in a world and the pressures, the burdens as an adult, handling adult themes, sex, drugs, rock and roll, all of that with baby's first Bible theology. And then the moments that baby's first Bible theology fails for you, you run from God. Mm-hmm. Could it be that baby's first Bible is amazing when you're a baby? Yep. Toddler theology is amazing for a toddler. Elementary school theology is excellent for an elementary school kid. But how many of us stop growing? Mm. Still living off. Still living off of that. And so now we're adults handling adult themes. And, and, you know, middle school camp theology is not working anymore. And so we walk away from the Lord. Hey, guys, slow your roll. Stop pointing the finger. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, and so we, we... We need to walk in and we need to flesh that out and understand. And so, yeah, flip the question. What if God loves you so much that the work that he wants to do is going to be through? I mean, ask Job, Mm. right? You want to talk about getting your character smeared? Ask Noah. The whole world's going to think you're crazy. Yeah. And do you have the faith to build a boat even when it's not going to rain? You know, like there's so many of these stories like, um, that we're going to see even in Genesis, even through their brokenness and their crazy and how they, they didn't walk in the fullness of faith. And it's like, all right, but we're going to sit in that tension. We need to flesh it out and we need to have hard conversations. And what we can't do anymore is just keep skirting around them. We can't just keep to our, you know, baby's first Bible theology. Like I think 
you know, as we, you know, uh, the Calvary Chapel thing that we say, if the Lord tarries, like it, the Lord hasn't returned. And I think it's time for the church to start digging a little bit deeper so that the Lord can really do a work. Mm-hmm. But because we're not in that spiritual state uh, or spiritually in shape, man, how much work would he want to do through us? Yep. But we don't want to have that because we're holding to our comfort. Yep. Because we want our legacy, not his legacy. We want where I focused in our faith, not Christ focused. Like there's a lot there. Yep. And I think so many times, cause like that, like there's part of me that wasn't joking. Like there's a lot of my story that I identify that with where like I grew up in the church mm-hmm. and there was probably, I could probably put a, a, a generalized date to where I began to make my faith my own, not my parents, not my Sunday school teachers, not my youth pastors. But then there was a pause and life happened and I never grew, but I just kind of fell back to, you know, the, uh, to use the education of the school side of like, I'm reading, I'm below my reading level, you know, Um, where I think the church broad brush uh, hasn't done a great job of providing a safe space where the answer to the question is, I don't know, or give me more time where we've created this formulaic, not ebb and flow, but you have to be on all the time, have an answer for every question in every moment of every season. And it's like, there's no person that isn't at some point in their life, not going to get cornered or not have an answer. And I think far too long we've, We've skirted around hard conversations and issues. Um, we've leaned into the things that we know instead of leaning into the things that we don't know because we're afraid that the answer might force us into something uncomfortable. Yep. Instead of just going, okay, well, <clears throat> what's the worst that happens if we blaze down that path? Yep. Like, what is the absolute worst? Like, either God isn't big enough to deal with that situation or that question or God's much bigger and he's going to work in and through and he's going to lead other people and other situations to a conversation that has some sort of revolution that brings others together to a place of growth. Yeah. And we keep repeating that and we keep doing it as we keep diving and making the depth of our faith even deeper because there's no bottom mm-hmm. to the depth of our faith. Yep. And then when we see the apostles, when we see people like Jim Elliot, when we see like, uh, Bonhoeffer, Corey Ten Boom, when we see massive examples of faith and we sit bewildered, how could they have ever done that? You know, the component that we that we are afraid and to acknowledge and mm-hmm. we just want to overlook it is at a depth to their faith that we're afraid to go to because we don't want to do the things that they did. Mm-hmm. So if we can stay shallow, I won't have to do that. And we think that the Lord is going to be absolutely just so grateful for that. For our mediocre Christianity. So we, we, we want the church to become like what the school districts broad brush are usually mm-hmm. kind of pinpointed. We teach for the dumbest kid in the class. We teach for the slowest kid in the class. Like, and, and so we want the church to do the same thing. We want, really nice, comfortable, shallow messages with 
very little challenge. And if there is, it's all personal and internal. Yep. It's never outward and like external lived yep. out um, challenging and it's never painful. Like again, broad brush, that's what we want from the church. But then we wonder why don't we see miracles anymore? Why don't we see oh, I got names for that. great men of faith stepping up anymore? Why is the church in other countries drastically different than the church here? And you can't go with me with its styles of worship. Nope. Why don't we see the same moves of God? And it's like, I wonder, you know, and it's, and it, it it's one of my struggles. And, and I've had friends ask me like, you have all these struggles with the church. Why do you want to be a lead pastor of a church? Why do you continue to do that? Why don't you just da da da? And it's like, because again, even like the example that we're given in Genesis, if we go back to God's design, I'm not going to walk away from God because those other people walked away from his design. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm not going to walk away from the biblical component of marriage because Abraham had Hagar. Right. So uh, I saw something recently that was like, you know, some people that say, oh, I can't go to church because of these Christians. He's like, like, would you, if somebody's sitting at a piano and they play Beethoven and they get it wrong, would you blame Beethoven? No, you would play the per, you would blame the person that's playing Beethoven. So we all are broken and we're trying to be Christ, but we all get it wrong. Don't walk away from those that are, playing Christ because they get it wrong. Don't walk away from Jesus because of that. It's Mm -hmm. the same, same context. Stay with the Lord. The bigger question is like somebody's looking at you Mm -hmm. walking away from Jesus. Like, are you representing Jesus? Well, and so like there's, there's a challenge and I hope that, you know, as we frame, well, not just the study of Genesis, but that's just where we're at. Like there's, we need a depth of faith. We need a depth of faith. Um, and, and it's not just intellectual. So it's not just, okay, Nick, do more geek outs. And it's like, no, no, we need a church that's going to walk in obedience. Yeah. Because there's, there's the the push on both sides. So there's always like painting broad brush. Let's just take Calvary, for example. In our church, there are a number of people who are very knowledgeable, analytical people. They need to be pushed in realms outside of just having knowledge about things doesn't make you believe. Yeah. Then you have a, another group of people that is, is how would I say it, more faith belief driven with no knowledge. Like, you know, just live my entire life in faith, yeah. whatever that means or looks like. Um, and in both of those areas get pushed to where it's, it's hard and it hurts. Yeah. Not like, hey, you guys are okay over here. We need to move you up here. It's like, no, no, you both need to give in different areas. You both need to work. Like having a bunch of facts doesn't make you a Christian. Yep. Doesn't make you believe. That's just fact. Like I went to school and I had a bunch of facts. Doesn't mean I liked or agreed or believed in the things <laughs> exactly. I, you know. Um, and nor did it change your life. Yeah. And I think, you know, walking into, um, so Cal Conference two, was it two weeks ago now? Man. Yeah, it's been two weeks. Holy cow. Like week that, and a half. Um, so Cal Conference mm, Tuesday night when we just kind of like flung open the the doors of expectation of what the night was going to be. And 
And so for me, um, I look at Sunday morning church and go, this is, as you talked about the conversation, you know, when you ask you're sitting in the car, like, what do you think about? Like, no, I'm not telling you what I'm thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is, this is what I think about is what would it look like if on a Sunday morning people showed up to church and they took off the mask and they were vulnerable and they shared the places they were struggling and they showed the places where they were hurting and they shared the places where the Lord was working. What would that look like? Because everybody's watching. If the strongest of those would lead out in that to allow others to begin to lead in that, what domino effect would happen not only inside the church walls, but then how that would massively explode outside the church walls where we have our cute little theology. We have our cute little Bible stories. We have our cute little comfort levels and, and, and we have all these compartments of Christianity and of faith. And as long as nobody opens them and adds to or takes away from, as long as they're exactly where and how I want them, we're good. But the second that that gets opened, jimmied with, messed with, mm. turned upside down, added to, taken away from, then what we do is we fall back into not our preferences, because a preference is something I'm willing to lay down, yeah. but we hold on tighter. And instead of it being a preference, now it's turned into a bias, a bias that we have said, um, God, you can work in my life until this point. Yep. And we start drawing hard lines in the sand of our life, um, so to speak. And then we get 10, 20, 30 years down the road and we wonder why our faith is stagnant, why church seems boring, why we look at churches outside of Western Christianity where it seems like the Lord is very vibrant in doing things. And then we just go, what in the world is going on? It's like, you put very clear lines and the Lord honored those lines. Like he's operating the lines that you have, the box that you've placed him in. Not that that's the only way that he works. He's a respecter of your person. Yep. And you said, here's the line I will not cross. And he said, okay, okay. I'll go find somebody else that, that will. Yeah. Yep. And we don't do that. Yep. And so we have our happy little church he service he allows meetings. you to walk away with compassion, just like the rich young ruler. Because who wants, who wants somebody to love them because it's a requirement or yep. it's a forced thing? Yep. Like, I look at my girls who love me. Sometimes I'm really not sure, you know, why, especially after <laughs> I blow up on them. Yeah. But it's like, I wouldn't ever want my my daughters to love me because they have to. I want them to love me because they choose to. I don't want a, a best friend who has to love, like it's some conditional exchange of something. Like, I want a best friend who chooses to love me, even in all my craziness and awkwardness. But then, like you've said so many times already in the podcast, when we when we just flesh it out, when we think about it in something that does make sense, when we, when we do that same conversation with the Lord and we try to flesh it out that way, everything's off the table. Mm. Like suddenly it doesn't make sense. Suddenly like, well, why doesn't the Lord step in and is, is that what you would want? Yeah. No. And, and I think the enemy can use, uh, you have a foothold where it becomes, oh, it was a generational problem. Mm. Right? Blame somebody so, else. Yeah. And especially- That's never gonna, happened in we're gonna, You know, we're going to have, and again, I'm broad brushing it. Okay. So be nice here. Be kind. 
kindness is a fruit of the spirit. From my seat, my perspective, looking not just at Calvary, but capital C church as a whole, I think a foothold of the enemy is going to, is, oh, it's a generational issue. Look at what the young generation has done to the church, to which if you struggle um, with the state of the church right now, look at the generation that was in charge of it before and has asked the question, why did you allow that? Because mm-hmm. all the church now is, is the same lukewarm, Kool-Aid, diluted faith that they were handed to, handed down just with a different expression. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Yep. Like it, 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 nobody wants to say that. Oh, we just, and then, then we think it's stylistic. Then we mm-hmm. think it's methodology. Oh, we just need to get back to the, and then we start talking about. She need to have another reformation. Oh, we just need another Jesus movement. Mm-hmm. So let's pick on our own family of Calvary Chapel. We just need another Jesus movement. You won't have another Jesus movement. Why? Because you won't have men and women standing up for the word of God and grace of God and reaching the lost and the hurting and the oppressed, uh, the the outcast of our society. You won't have another move of God. What they want is the country club party. They want a move of God with those that are already saved. Mm-hmm. That's not a move of God. That's not a revival. That's not uh, an awakening. You know, we look back and say, no, but those who would humble themselves before the Lord do the crazy things that, not to drop the sermon series we just came out of, but to do the things that don't make sense to love those who are unlovable, to do the things where it's going to make the religious elite in the church question the motives of those that Mm -hmm. are trying to live out the call of Christ on their lives. That's when you get revival. Yep. You know, there's a reason that there's not a, a, another Jesus movements to which we have a, a a friend that would say, is it even a movement anymore? Because it's splintered, Mm -hmm. you know, no, it's not because we're divided. And we would rather talk about what happened on, you know, a, a political platform, or we'd rather attack other pastors and how they do ministry. And we would you know, like, we will talk about everything else other than the very thing that God's called us to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, really? And, and we wonder, and we sit here and scratch our heads and we have all these great conferences of church leaders. And we want to talk about, you know, what's the issue and, and what methodology and how do you do this? And it's like, you can you can sure this up really quick. Yeah. The moment the church wants to humble itself, return to the Lord, and walk in faith, which you you can't have faith without obedience. Like you, like because that's you have to trust the Lord in that. Like at, at some point, you're going to have to do something mm-hmm. because of your faith in Him. Right? Faith without works is dead. Like that's the moment. You know, that's, that was the moment that Chuck Smith went down to the ocean, looked at a bunch of hippies and said, Jesus loves you. Would you want to come to a Bible study? And that's when he allowed hippies into the church, you know, like, and, and, you know, the movie's accurate. People left because of it. Good. You know, like we always talk about at churches, every church has this right greeting team. Wonderful. Mm. We we want people in the foyer to welcome anybody in. You know what team no church has? I need somebody that's going to open up the door and let those leave. 
that don't want to be, <laughs> you know, so we all, we, we have a greeting team, but we don't have a leaving team. Meaning, where's the goodbye team? Yeah. Where's the goodbye team? Where if, if you, if you are frustrated that your Pharisee legalism is not being carried out and the comforts or whatever, and so you leave that church because it's not what you want, Christianity with a capital I in the middle of it, and then you leave the church like, we need, we need that team mm-hmm. to open up the door and as a good friend just told me recently, uh, open up the door and we're only opening the door so that it doesn't slam on their backside and cause our custodian to have to spend more time wiping off <laughs> the butt mark of letting the door hit them on the way out. So that's why we're going to open up the door to them. And it's like, but, but again, oh, it's so radical, Yep. which I love David Platt's book, Radical. I hate that book. To which in it, I think he's, he says it in the book or I've heard him say it you know, in sermons, it's not radical faith. That's foundational standard. This is what biblical faith looks mm-hmm. like. There shouldn't be a thing called radical faith. It should just be called faith. Yep. It just makes us look radical to the world around us. But what's so hard is that if you truly walk in faith and obedience to Jesus, there we should never look radical to the church Mm. but we do and now there's the great divide not from you know the family of faith to the world around us but it's christian to christian follower of jesus to follower of jesus that should have never have happened but here we are be the change that you want to see in the church so let's tick some pharisees off And if you're a Pharisee and you're struggling with that, Jerron at Calvary Lake. Oh, sorry. Delete, 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 delete. So, but. I'm excited. Know. I think it, it, I think it honestly is going to be a really good series because I think it's going to affirm things that we know we just need to flesh out and live. Yeah. I think it's going to de, not de, de-escalate de-elevate, whatever. It's going to bring down the things that we've overemphasized yep. that probably aren't 100% biblically accurate. Yep. Um, and I think it's going to force us into a realization of what um, beginnings look like. Yeah. Because we should never be stagnant or stale in our faith. Yep. And so there's always seasons of our life. There's always ebbs and flows. Um, but there shouldn't ever be this stagnation in our faith. And there should always be beginnings. Um you know, so as we walk through, you know, a year of beginnings, what that looks like in legacy, what that looks like in fellowship, what that looks like in discipleship, you know, as we flesh those things out and we're forced in very tangible ways to look at the the, the very beginning foundation of what God set into place and then compare that with our life and our reality now and how we're living and what we are are not doing with it. Yeah. Um, I think there's going to be some really tense, challenging moments that aren't, that maybe aren't going to be the most fun to process through. But for me personally, uh, some of the biggest uh, change in my life has come when I'm most offended. Yeah. Because I, instead of just, yeah, like I, 
oh, that was a great sermon. I'm going to go home and go to lunch and take a nap. And, you know, it's like, I can't believe he said, how dare he say that? Usually because my pride's on the line or I've been ticked off or I'm offended. The Lord's like, that one's for you, buddy. Like that was solely for you. And it's like, okay, okay, I I need to work through this and process through that. And I'm excited just to see how that happens through our Sunday school stories that we think we know that we don't really. Mm -hmm. And then to be blown up by stories that we've never heard of. Yeah. Or we've we've heard of the names, but no one's ever walked us through what that story is and what it means for our faith. Yeah, because if, if Sunday morning is going to get uncomfortable as we walk through the Word of God, because it's not that Sunday, like that Sunday school story yep. that was warm and fuzzy and we had the coloring picture, like, it's fine. So just are get you- up, Just get up, walk out of the sanctuary, through the foyer, check yourself into Cal Kids, and you can sit there. <laughs> London will give you a snack, and then and you can have you know baby's first Bible theology. Can we get the felt yep. boards out? Absolutely, with right. Jesus. Sing who is Peter? Who's great. Paul? Who's? <laughs> but the awkwardness of a full-grown man or woman sitting crisscross applesauce with kids, saying, "Ah, oh, now this is comfortable." Like, what did you just communicate? Can you work that into a Sunday morning? <laughs> Can, can we get to some of these more obscure that. passages and instead of you opening your Bible, like you open, baby first Bible yeah, open baby's first Bible and just start and be like, this is how some of you are operating. Yeah. Like this is the word of God and it's not. Yeah. And then read the actual story. You're like, wherever we are, what, you know, whatever verses we begin and end with. And then like, okay, now let's talk. Cause like for me, even just that idea, that's very jarring. Like it's aggressive, but it's so much so that it's like, I'm going to be offended. Because you made me feel like a child, yeah. but that's how I've been living my life. And, and people mean it to be a compliment. It's not. Because they'll say, they'll come up to me and be like, oh, I never knew that. I never realized that. Oh, you, you, like some of these verses you've brought so many, it's just like, that's hard to hear. Yeah. Like I'm yet to have the person. And, and this is one thing that, I'm, it's a it's a thermometer that I'm taking the temperature of just the spiritual uh, warmth of the body as a whole and you know almost like a brisket you, you check temp in multiple areas you know and one of the things is I'm waiting to hear hey been been coming for a few weeks man it's kind of waiting for you to hit like are you are you ever gonna take the gloves off like I'm still still kind of waiting, waiting for or like, are we ever going to dig into, is this ever going to get deeper? I've yet to have anybody tell me that. Sadly. Yeah. Sadly. And and Sunday isn't meant to be that. Sunday is meant to be the place where we come together and get encouraged and built up where I want to preach in a way that ignites and continues to fan, fan into flame a passion for your relationship with the Lord Monday through Saturday. Mm-hmm. But instead we flip it where whoop, coals are getting low. Need to get it, yeah. Or, you know, we, you know, we treat Sunday like the, the gallon of gas that we throw on a fire, get this big, nice flame. Oh, wasn't that awesome? Yeah. That'll last me until coast next until Sunday. Sunday. And we coast till Sunday yep. where like, no, I, I, we, we, we need to reverse it where we're coming into church being like, Pastor, you better bring it because I've been studying all week. Pastor, you better bring it because, man, I am wore out and I'm exhausted. 
leading my family well, teaching my kids, exampling faith to them. I'm wore out because love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is difficult in the workplace. Like, amen. That's what it is. Amen. So that's, you know, and it, even same for me, like just asking the question, where am I getting apathetic in my faith? Where am I getting comfortable? Where am I riding the coattails of past victories and all that? And it's like, nope. What's the new thing? What's the new relationships? What's the new discipleship? What's the new legacy? Like lean into it. Where if we get to the end of Genesis and we read chapter 50, we close the book and nobody has a testimony of any of those four new things that God is doing in and through us. Honestly, we should just close up shop mm. and we need to go find a better church um, because we're just playing church at that point. But we're yep. not, we're not progressing in our walk with the Lord. Not being the church. Yeah, exactly. So welcome to Genesis. It's going to be exciting. Um, something I didn't mention last week. Uh-oh. And I totally. Because the guys were here, you didn't want to say it in front of the. No, I just totally. Wanted to be polite in front of company. No, I, I straight up forgot. No, so um, we'll mention it here coming into the next couple of weeks. So. Uh-oh. Uh, the breakdown text line <gasps> is still there. Did you get any questions? Uh, yeah, I got your question. What's what? your favorite food? <laughs> I was wondering if you got it. I, did, I, I did get one from somebody um, since you brought it up. Let me pull it up. And it wasn't a question. Uh, I just thought, uh, let's see. Um, this this was the response. This isn't a question. Just thank you both for the discipline and hard work you both put into the breakdown. I look forward to your banter and wisdom each week. And I went... Cool. That person doesn't know us very yeah. well, do they? So this was my, um, so this was my Oh, do you respond to it? I responded back to oh, it. Oh, here we go. What'd I said, say? oh, thank you for those kind words. We love getting to the podcast each week. Thanks for being a part of the journey of the breakdown. Oh. Because what most people don't realize. You sound so professional. Thanks for being a part of the journey of the breakdown. Well, because here's the crazy Listen thing. And, this guy. and we've talked about this. Um, you must be an executive pastor. <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> there, you poke funny. Um, we really, and we've said this before, so not to be a dead horse, but it's a great place to kick that end. horse right in the it's, face. Let's go. <laughs> We're not living off our coattails yeah. of old stories, but it is. It's a. It's a reminder for me when we sat down two years ago to do the breakdown. Has <laughs> it been two years? Uh, I think I need to go back at and least look at the, the, exact, the idea of yeah, like when we first indeed. started fleshing out. Um, I don't think we ever thought the breakdown would be what it is now and turn yeah. into something that is a lot. Like, let's call it what it is. It is a lot of work. It is a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but the response that we have been getting, and not from a attaboy pat on the back, but just from a, hey, appreciate the transparency and realness and to see, a, and I don't like even saying that, a different side because we're not different, but to see a, a different medium and to interact with us. And definitely breaking the mold of what traditionally people think pastors are. You know, there's something we call about. We break that mold. Oh, absolutely. You know, just the, you know, because what how I've heard it explained is it's the holy man, holy mm-hmm. place myth. Like, oh, I, I can't have anybody else pray for me. I need the pastor to pray for me. Because, Actually, what you need other people to pray for. Yeah, you. absolutely. Because the they think I have the red for. phone <laughs> that rings straight to the Oval Office of Jesus that you can't dial out on and only I, it's like, no. Or the holy place myth is that there's something just so uh, magically spiritual about the building here. You mean the building we have that has no windows and is way too small and looks like a strip club or storage (laughs) unit from the highway. That building. That building. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And so we, you know, and, and 
you know, at least we get the opportunity to say, hey, we're real people really trying to follow Jesus. Like that's all it really is. Where Genesis, any sermon that we're, it's hitting just as much. You know, like people ask me, yeah, was the Cal Conference for you? And it's like, in what context? Like leadership wise or like me personally? Because that, yeah, absolutely. So it's, we, this is a, not an original quote, but like, yeah, just because we lead in the ministries of the body of Christ does not mean we don't need them. And so this is us just showing in a very, I guess, real raw, open, um, authentic way. Like, no, we, we need, we yep. need the word. We need prayer. We need the ministries just like anybody else does. Yep. So, so. Uh, if you want to be a part of the breakdown journey, that text line is open and available. If you haven't ever joined it, uh, we'll put it in the show notes. All you have to do is text the breakdown, no spaces, to 573-679-3760. The only reason we have you do that is it puts you into a group so that when we send text messages out to everybody, like on Sunday, hey, if you have questions, send it in. Yep. That only goes to you and not 12 bazillion other people in our Praise church database. Praise um, the Lord. And then, you don't want to do a massive group text where everybody has each other's numbers. Good grief. No, I hate Then you start text. that. You ever get caught into one of those and they're like, everybody say your name so we know whose number's oh, whose. No. So I just start making up names. So that's season four of The Breakdown. <laughs> Nick and John talking about the, the things about life and ministry that we just can't stand. So that you all can take those things and use them against us and do those very things. Throw us into group <laughs> messages and spam text us. That but, should be a class. We always talk about like in Bible college what's the what's the class you'd want to teach everything that you didn't learn in seminary, seminary yep. for ministry I, I all the things that you will you will get frustrated in ministry all about. the stupid things like yes. there are things like that makes sense like, yeah that makes sense things. like we uh, yeah but what those don't exist here at calvary nope not at all but hey i think that's a great uh, a great there place to hang our hat you know we made it an hour or plus an hour so for those of you that um, wish it was under an hour sorry for those of you that wish it was four hours Sorry, we can't win either way. Yeah. But uh, we're going to hang yeah, our hats up here. Works. We're going to go back and do other ministerial duties. Sounds so official. Wow. I know. I know. Nick's got something to do. Something. I, I we'll have a podcast to edit and post because you people <laughs> get psycho if it's not up yes. Tuesday afternoon. But uh, we're going to hang it up here. Thanks so much for being seriously a part of the Breakdown Journey, whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on your favorite podcasting platform. If you haven't done so, do us a huge favor. And if you're listening on podcasts, like and subscribe, share with a friend, rate, review, comment, whatever you want to do. It helps us out a lot. Um, and if you're cr- just crazy enough to see what an episode of the Breakdown is visually, uh, go check us out on YouTube. There's a whole podcast playlist on YouTube of all the breakdowns that we've uh, recorded via video. And it just gives a whole... I told somebody this the other day, and we'll end with this. You ready? Okay. Uh-oh. Um, the breakdown podcast, the audio version, yep. is like going to the movies. Yeah. The video? The video version is like going to IMAX and 4D, like where they spread... Like it, it is like a full... It just yeah. brings a whole different like perspective. It. So... And uh, then maybe we'll start selling tickets and we'll have like two little behind-the-scenes seats. No, I'm just No, because you know who's going to buy one for every episode? Your wife. No, because she then she'll be walk a- in with the buzzers. <laughs> we got to get that in here somehow. And you can't let, as Pastor Gabe said, close on this. Yep. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Ooh. Welcome to The Breakdown. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>